Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. As it is in heaven. In Acts chapter 1, I want to read verses 1 to 3. And it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, this is Dr. Luke writing. He says, Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs, proofs, proofs that he was alive. Proofs. I was going to say, that's not even a word, but it's in the Bible. It must be true. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and get this, he spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the kingdom of God. I think it's interesting tonight, if the Bible writes what Jesus spoke about, then we should prioritise what Jesus spoke about. Miles Munro said it this way, that there are many people preaching the gospel of Jesus, but they're not preaching the gospel that Jesus preached. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Of God, You'll see it over and over and over and over again in the Scriptures. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first your comfort. Seek first your well-being. No, He didn't say that. He said, Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, we don't pray for things that God wants to add to our lives. But we pray for the kingdom and He will add those things. We speak about the kingdom and He will add those things. So seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and He will add those things that we so desire and need at any given time. Does that make sense? And so we don't pray for things that He wants to add. We pray for the things He said to pray about. And if we're honest, if we do a little bit of a stock take right now, how much of our praying is about the kingdom? Well, how much of our praying is about our needs and our wants and our desires? And our needs, wants and desires are not bad. But if that's all we're praying about, there's something that needs to shift in 2021. Not only in your life, but also in my life. I have been blessed, encouraged and challenged as I've prepared this particular message. Amen? In order to have a kingdom, I'm gonna go a little bit slow so that you follow me and my train of thought this morning. In order to have a kingdom, you have to have a monarch who reigns over all. The kingdom of God could be interpreted as this, the rule of God or the reign of God. Whenever you hear the kingdom of God, really we're talking about the rule of God, the reign of God, the lordship of God, the control of God. The contemporary Western democracies, such as us here in Australia, find it difficult to understand the concept of a kingdom. Why? Because we are used to electing officials. And even in places like the UK where they have a queen, she is more of a figurehead and her monarchy co-rules with the parliament and the prime minister and has a constitution. So our understanding of a king and a kingdom is slightly warped. We don't fully understand. Or alternatively, we've seen some of those medieval films where there's a dictator as a king and it gets really nasty really quick. So if we're honest, our understanding of the kingdom of God is thwarted because of our understanding of the kingdom, period. And so I wanna take time and just elaborate 
And hopefully over this series, we'll not only understand a little bit better what a kingdom is and what the kingdom of God looks like, but we will respond accordingly. Are you with me this morning? While we may not fully understand the kingdom concept, what I do know is everyone is seeking a kingdom. We may not fully understand it, but we are seeking it. Every human being is searching for a better, brighter, bigger, more beautiful world. Am I in good company when I say that? Everyone is looking for a utopian society free from fear, poverty and sickness, etc., etc. Everyone is seeking a king, a special someone to make all that happen. I hope I'm putting language to your thoughts today. Whether we know it or not, we're all seeking a kingdom, a better world, a better place in which to live. You ask people today and they're saying, the world's going crazy, it's getting worse. What are we saying? We want something better. We want something more beautiful. We want something better than we are presently living in. And in order for us to have this utopian society, this kingdom, it takes a king to make that happen. It takes a special somebody. And so in our heart, we desire a special somebody. Whether it's a Messiah, whether it's a God, whether it's a king, whether it's a Lord, whether it's a prime minister, whether it's a president, whether it's a husband, whether it's a wife, we are all looking for a special someone to make something special happen in our world. And yet, in spite of man's best efforts, that includes mine, that includes yours, utopia continues to elude mankind. Things are no better now than when we first began. I get this all the time and maybe you've said it and maybe you've heard it. But with coronavirus on the rise and and all the things that are going on, the American elections and the wars around the world, states shutting down, all those things. People saying, I just want it to end. I just want it to get better. I just want things to go back to normal. The trouble is when they were normal, we didn't like it then either. The normal we wanted to go back to, we weren't happy. That normal, we were hoping for something better. Now we just want to go back to normal when we were hoping for something better. So utopia seems to be out of man's grasp. I don't know how many of you got or have been involved or still involved in the crown the, the Netflix series on television, The Crown. Any of you loyalist monarchists out there um, may appreciate that. Any of you have any, any British blood in you may be into that. But it's the story of the rise of Queen Elizabeth II and the show reveals her struggles that she faces in becoming the Queen of England. And the challenge it is to her and the challenge it is to a marriage and the challenge it is to have children. To suddenly become royalty, get this, may seem like a luxury. It may seem like a dream to some people. I mean, if you were, if you were king or if you were queen, and you had the say, and you could change some rules and regulations. It seems like a dream come true. And I know there's a lot of people who would love to be a king or would love to be a queen. The question is, what would you do if you had a kingdom? What would you do and what would it look like? What values would guide your kingdom? What values would guide your world? 
The problem to this equation of you being a king or you being a queen or you being a king, the problem is that we all think differently. And we all think we know best. This is where it all falls short because we all, we all think that we know better than the next guy. And everyone thinks if I was in charge, and it never ceases to amaze me some of the conversations that take place, be it at the pub or at the cafes or at the restaurants or in the homes, where people sit around and talking about what the Prime Minister is not doing or what the Premier is not doing. And if I was in charge, I would do it better. Really? And the thing is, those little people in the same homes are listening to those conversations and there's some six-year-olds who hate Donald Trump. There are some six-year-olds that hate Scott Morrison. You're too young to even know who they are, let alone hate them. Where did this hatred, where did this opinion come from? It comes from the culture that's set in the home. Because how we think is a reflection of the culture we were born into. See, no one is born with a culture We are born into a culture. I've said this many times in the past. We are not born with a culture. We are born into a culture. I, along with my two brothers, was born into an English culture. My mum and dad are both born and bred in England. That makes them Poms. And they came over as 10-pound Poms in 1962. And they settled here in Adelaide. And though we grew up in Australia... We, have a very, we very much have an English culture. We speak English. That's where my love of cups of tea come from. I, I, I will have a coffee, but for every coffee, I will see that coffee and raise that coffee by 10 cups of tea. I am a tea person through and through. Why? Because at the age of 18 months, I was given my first cup of tea and I didn't drink it. I sculled it. I mean, I just, my, my, my favourite meal is, is, is roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. Some of you don't even know what that is. That was our staple. Why? Because we had English parents. It was the culture that we were born into. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just our culture. I have a love for Monty Python. I have a love for all comedy that is British. Is there anyone out there who can give me an amen? Is there anyone watching online that can give me an amen? I mean, Monty Python, British humour is the best humour, in my opinion. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm saying to me, it's the best. Why? Because it's my culture. And that's what I was born into. Because it affected my thinking. If I was born into an Indian family, it would be different. If I was born into an African family, it would be different. Does that make sense? See, all kingdoms are manifest through its culture. And that's why here in Australia, we speak English. We drive on the left-hand side of the road. Queen Elizabeth II is the head of state of this particular country. And all of these things are very English. Why? Because Australia was colonised by Britain and established on British thinking. The mantra was, as it is in England, so may it be in Australia. Are you following me? I'm going slow. I want you to catch this. This is really important. This is really important. Why? Because our thinking determines our culture. How we think determines what we do. And what we do creates the culture. How we think determines what we do. 
And what we do determines the culture. If you come to our home, you'll see Tony and Kath Rainbow culture. At dinner time, we sit around the table because that's what we do. Based upon our thinking, in the busy world in which we live, where our kids go to school, our kids go to work, we gather together and we sit around the table because in our thinking, that's a great time to get together. And that's what we do. And so that becomes a culture. It comes from a thought. This is a great opportunity to get together. That thought becomes an action. Let's sit around the table. Now that's our culture. And that's what we do. And our kids would go to uh, their friend's home and some of their friends, they wouldn't do that. They don't sit around the table. It's a different culture. Because they think differently. So they do differently. And some of those things aren't right or wrong. It's just culture. Our thinking determines our culture. And whoever controls the minds will create the culture. And one of the most powerful brainwashing mediums in the world today is the media. It's the media. We are bombarded with all sorts of brainwashing techniques to create the culture that we live in. Which goes back to what the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says, to you, but in his heart, he is not with you. This portion of Scripture is really powerful because it tells us that our culture is formed from our thinking. And our thinking is something that is deep-seated in the very core of our being. And it talks about a man who is trying to be generous, but in his heart, in his thinking, in his culture, he's stingy. So he says, help yourself to the fridge, but in his, his culture is, don't you touch what's in the fridge. So his words are not matching his culture. And there's a conflict. Are you following all this this morning? And that's why the Bible talks about us having a circumcision of the heart. Christianity is an inside out job. We've got to first deal with the heart. We've got to first clean the inside of the cup before the outside of the cup can be changed. The kingdom of God is not about an outward transformation. It starts with an inward transformation. And if we get an inward transformation, the outside will take care of itself. But it's not about pretending. It's not about pretending to be generous when inside we're still stingy. It's not about pretending to be a Christian when inside we're still worldly. And we live in a world that is bombarded through the media that uh, eat this, drink this, buy this, do this. And it's a self-centred saturation, which is a counterculture to the kingdom of God. The kingdom culture is a counterculture. Jesus said many times, you've heard it said this, but I want to tell you this. We see that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, no, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is abnormal thinking. This is not normal. This is not worldly culture. Worldly culture is be what you want to be, do what you want to do. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I, I tell you something different. Lay down your life. Love your enemies. Hey, here's the thought. Have you ever thought about praying for those that are persecuting you right now? And Jesus' mission was to colonise heaven with earth. You see, you and I, we were born into a culture, as I've already mentioned. But when we were born again, we became citizens of another kingdom. And we were born into another culture. 
And this is where the struggle for me lies. And this is where the struggle for you lies. That I was born into a culture and then I got born again into another culture. And that's where the struggle is because the culture I was born into doesn't always match up with the culture I was born again into. And so we can love Jesus and want to do the right thing, but struggle to do the right thing. And the battle is a clash of cultures. And how is culture determined? How we think. Who's going to win the battle for your thinking? Is it the worldly ways and all that you see on the television? Or is it God's ways? That's the battle. So when you say, oh, I feel like I'm struggling as a Christian, we're all struggling as a Christian. The struggle is real. But in order for us to be citizens of the kingdom of God, we must lay down our thoughts, our feelings, our wants, our desires for the sake of what God and His kingdom wants. In other words, we're now in a new culture. And this new culture has a new way of thinking, a new way of speaking, a new way of acting. And so we're not doing any of those things to get God's favour. We already have God's favour. But as citizens of a new kingdom, it changes the way we act. It changes the way we speak. Because we're citizens of a new kingdom. Jesus' mission was to colonise heaven with earth. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, and there it is, as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus is prioritising what is most important. What is the first priority? He says, you're the king. Hallowed be your name. That's why we honour God, because He's the king. He's the king. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And it's after that, He says, then give us this day, our daily bread. But we've got to put first things first. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our purpose in life, no matter what vocation we have, no matter where we're at in life right now, should be to bring heaven to earth. So when you're at school and you're being picked on and you go and actually forgive those that are picking on you, the kingdom of God has come. When you choose to forgive those that are mocking you and cyber bullying you, the kingdom of God has come to planet earth. And the smile on God's face gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When you find yourself the only Christian in the workplace, that doesn't mean you've got to leave that workplace and go work for a place where there's a lot of Christians. No, you model Christian principles. As it is in heaven, you bring that peace of heaven. What is in heaven? Heaven is full of peace. Heaven is full of joy. Heaven is full of hope. Heaven is full of healing. Heaven is full of life. And so we bring those things. Now, this is not easy. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But that's our mission, to colonise our workplace with the kingdom of heaven. And eventually people say, there's something different about you. And that's our moment to be able to speak what it is that's changed our lives. See, the bottom life, oh, sorry, the bottom line is this. The Christian life, the church, and our faith 
is not about us. I'll say that again. The Christian life, the church, and our faith is not about us. When we don't sing a song because we don't like it, it's not about you. The worship, I don't like the worship. It's not about you. How about if God likes it? Imagine that God likes our worship and you don't. So what? Because it's not about you. We're not worshipping Jane this morning. We're not worshipping Lee this morning. We're not worshipping Tony this morning. We're worshipping King Jesus. And so frankly, I love you, but I don't care if you don't like the worship because it's not about you. Some of you are going to say, go back on holiday, Tony. I know. (laughs) This is how I feel. I can tell you this categorically, being like, I just fell in love with Jesus all the more. And I feel so indebted and so grateful for the opportunity I have to speak with you this morning. It's about Him. It's about His plan. It's about His kingdom. It's about His glory. And this is our struggle. And this will always be our struggle. And the struggle will always be real. And that's why the first, word, uh, first four words in the Bible are probably and possibly the most important four words in the Bible. And those first four words in the Bible are simply this. In the beginning, God. That changes everything. In the beginning, God. These four words change everything. Everything. What should our response be to this message this morning? I'm so glad you asked. Number one, let's make 2021 a year where we have a fresh wave of surrender to Jesus as Lord. I don't know about you, I am so grateful that Jesus is my Savior. I'm so glad he saved me from a dark place. I'm so glad that he saved me from eternal damnation. I'm grateful that he's my saviour, but he's not just my saviour. He's my Lord. He's my Lord. And the Bible says that we are living sacrifices. And the trouble with living sacrifices is that we can get off the altar when it gets too hard, when it gets too hot in the kitchen, and we can actually run away and seek solace and seek comfort. But as living sacrifices, we are to continue to offer ourselves to Him. We are to continue to place Him as Lord. You know, in the book of Genesis, the first couple of chapters, you'll see the words Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, about 11 times, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, the enemy rocks up in the form of a serpent and he approaches Adam and Eve and he said this, did God really say? And you'll notice that the devil left out the word Lord God. He acknowledged he's a supreme being but he couldn't say Lord God because God was not his Lord. And the interesting thing is Eve's response and Adam's response. They said, well God did say, they removed the word Lord. God doesn't want just a relationship. Now you've heard me say many times that Christianity in its purest, simplest form is a relationship with God and I stand by that. But it's not just a relationship. God wants lordship relationship. God wants us to place him as Lord. Why? Because he's a control freak? No. 
Because he's the king, he knows best. And if we follow his ways, we will have utopia. We will have the best life. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Would the world be a better place or a worse place if we just loved our enemies? Would it be better or worse? It'd be better. If we actually prayed for those that persecuted, would it be better or would it be worse? God's saying, follow me, make me as Lord. Why? Because he control it? No, because he knows best. He knows what's best for you, your family. He knows what's best for your children. He knows what's best for the church. There's much that we do as a church that I don't want to do or don't like to do. And one of those things is fasting. But the Bible says, when you fast, it didn't say if you fast. It doesn't actually give me an option. It says, when you fast, like, so, so we have to fast then. It says, yeah, do it because it'll be good for you. And on the back end of it, you'll see what I, what I mean. I, I don't know. If your Christianity consists of only what you want to do when you want to do it, that's not Christianity. It's certainly not Lordship Christianity. You know, one thing I've heard, I've heard it my whole Christian life, but I've certainly heard it more in the last 12 months with COVID, is this, oh, the freedom I have since church has been online, aka I don't go to church anymore. Oh, the freedom, I feel like I've been born again, again. I've got so much freedom. That's the buzzword right now. In this COVID crazy season, I'm hearing this buzzword, freedom. Oh, I was so controlled by the church. I've never felt so free. You know, if you take off restrictions, you'll be free. If you don't go to school, you'll be freer than going to school. But it doesn't mean it's the best choice. Yet we are free. The question is, are we going to mature us and grow enough to use our freedom to help others? Or are we going to use our freedom just to be free? The question is, how are we going to use our freedom? Because Jesus came to set us free. But He came to give us purpose. And the question we have to ask is, are we going to place ourselves under His Lordship and come under His leading and His rule and His reign and live a purpose-filled life? And that's where Lordship relationship comes in. If you make freedom the goal, yeah, don't, don't go to church. I'd say don't go to school. I'd say don't, don't go to work. If you want freedom, don't do any of those things. But where would society be without that? So we need a fresh wave of surrender to Jesus as Lord. Secondly, we need a radical commitment to the ways of Jesus. We need to follow Jesus and his practices. In other words, when we read the Bible, we don't read the Bible because we have to. Tony keeps going on, we've got to read the Bible. Dan tells the youth they've got to read their Bible. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't always want to read my Bible. But do you know why I read the Bible? Because the Bible contains three things that are really important to God and really important to me. It contains God's Word, God's will, and God's ways. In other words, it's not enough just to know His Word. You've got to know His will. And you've got to know His ways. God has ways of doing things. And the Bible contains His Word, His will, and His ways. And so we read our Bibles on a daily basis. Why? Because I want to know His Word. I want to know His will And I also want to know his ways. We need to have a radical commitment back to the ways of Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, I'll follow you. He said, no, no, follow me. Follow me. There's one occasion where Jesus was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which sounds gross. It sounds like vampire stuff. It sounds cannibalistic. It sounds horrible. But Jesus was talking about a new covenant. 
He was talking about communion. And when we take communion, we're remembering the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of the life of Jesus Christ himself. And he was talking about that. And many of his followers thought it was gross. Many of his followers didn't like the idea of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And they left. And Jesus said, oh, sorry, guys, come back. What I meant was, he said to the 12 who were still there, he actually gave the option of those to stay also to leave. He said, do you want to leave too? Because I'm not going to change my ways. Because he's the king. We can shake our fist at God. We can complain. We can boycott church. We can boycott reading our Bible. We can boycott prayer. We can boycott all these things. He's not going to change his ways. We have to get in line with his ways. Do you know why I go to church? Other than the fact that I lead the church. is because Jesus went to church. I'm going to follow his way. Do you know why I got baptized? Because Jesus got baptized. That overcomes my fear of water. That overcomes what people think. That overcomes all those things. We need to follow his ways. And I would encourage you, if you've been a Christian for a while and there are some basic principles that you have dug your heels in and said, I'm not going to do, I pray the Holy Spirit will soften our hearts this year. Me, you, every one of us. That we might become more like Christ this year. That's my desire, that we might become more like Jesus. He didn't say follow the offended Christians. Do you know how many Christians are following offended Christians? He says, follow me. And he gave the opportunity for the disciples to follow the offended Christians or to follow him. And Peter, I thank God for Peter. Peter did a lot of things wrong, but she got a lot of things right. He said, where else can we go? You have the words of life. My prayer is that this year, we would understand that Jesus alone has the words of life. And as the band come up, taking Ian's lead, (laughs) number three, how do we respond? Through a total reliance on the Holy Spirit. Can I just say this? I've said it many times before, I'll say it again. Following Jesus isn't hard, it's not. It's impossible. I just, I just want to set you free today. If you've been thinking, gee, it's hard. I want to set you free. It's not hard. Whew, it's impossible. That, that, that's what the angel told Mary. The angel visited Mary and said, you'll be with child. She said, how can it be? I'm a virgin. He says, ha, ha. what's impossible for you is possible with him. Now, I doubt anyone in my six weeks absence had an angelic visitation that told you you were impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I, I doubt that happened. But I bet some of you got offended, got ridiculed, got persecuted, got teased, got mocked, got cyberbullied, lost your job, had cause for hurt, pain. Yeah? And that pain that you can't deal with, that pain, that hurt, you can't. Yeah, you can't. It's impossible. You're trying to get rid of something that's impossible to get rid of. But what's impossible for you is possible with him. That's why Jesus, after finishing talking about the Great Commission, go into all the world, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, make disciples awesome. Yeah, don't do anything yet. Because what I've just said, you can't do. And, and I imagine Peter, no, no, I've got, we've got this, I've got this. I love Peter. I think Peter and I are going to become friends in heaven. We say, well, man, we did so many things. says, 
that's for after you've received the help of the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's the third person of the Godhead. He's the God that's present with us. God the Father is in heaven. God the Son ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for the church. He's, he's been praying for me this week to share this message with you. And if there's anything good about what I'm sharing, it's because he's been praying for me. And I'm so grateful that I have one. He's my Lord, my Saviour, and he's, he's my prayer warrior. But the God who's with us is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to help you. That thing that you have not been able to do, that addiction you've not been able to break, that forgiveness that you've not been able to give, the Holy Spirit wants to help you. May this year be a year of less trying and more trusting. May this series awaken a love for the King and His Kingdom. And this thing called surrender is not a one-off deal. We give our life to Him once when it comes to salvation. But when it comes to sanctification, that's a daily work. That's a daily surrender. I gave my life to Jesus as in the form of salvation once. So Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner, I need you. But every day, I prayed a similar prayer. Not from the standpoint of being saved. I don't feel like I'm saved, not saved, saved, not saved. I'm saved, but I'm struggling. Oh, thank you, thank you for my salvation, Lord, but gee, when that person said that, that hurt. When that person sacked me, when that person cyber bullied me, I don't know, I know what I wanna do. And if we don't yield to King Jesus and put Him on the phone, guess who gets on the phone? You do. And you become King, Lord, and Master of your own life. And you suck as a King. And you make a terrible Queen. But we make great subjects to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This message is so much for me. The struggle for me is real. I feel it's greater for me at some level because I preach this stuff and I'm going to be held more accountable. I've got to try and live this stuff. I said, God, you want me to preach and now I've got to try and live it. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And I know you're going through stuff. Some of you are facing life-threatening sickness. It's hard. And I dare say it's impossible. We need a fresh touch of God. We need a fresh touch of His Holy Spirit's power. We need a fresh touch of His grace. You know, the Bible's full of incredible stories of incredible men and women. But none of them are the heroes of the Bible. None of them. Moses is not the hero. David is not the hero. Miriam is not the hero. Deborah is not the hero. The Bible points to one hero. We only have one hero. We don't need another hero. We have a hero. His name is Jesus. He's King. He's Lord. He's Saviour. He's Sanctifier. He's Prayer Warrior. He's the one who can help us in our darkest moments. He's the one who can help us in our hardest times. When you feel all alone, 
You can find company with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 